Okay. So this is Kathy Taramina. I'm the Academic Dean at the Seattle Institute for East Asian Medicine, and I'm here for the next installment of Chi Time. My guest today is Bill Campbell, who is an alumni of the school, and today we are talking about the I Ching. Bill and I have already had several chats about this, which have been very thought-provoking, and so now we're here for a Chi Time recording. So thank you so much. Sure. Bill. It's really exciting. Um, before we get into any of the the details of what we want to talk about today, I thought it would be really great for everyone to hear how you got interested in this text. Yeah, I, the, I'm an alumni, and so graduation weekend, one of my uh, the students that I went to school with was interested in the Yijing, and I said, sure, I'm interested, so she took me out and we cut yarrow sticks. <laughs> and I have 50 yarrow sticks, and she said, I said, what do you do with them? And she said, well, you'll have to find out. And that was it, and so that was the and did I you actually do it that day with no, her? Did you? I, oh, no, okay. she, she wouldn't do it <laughs> oh, with me. I had it. to figure it out on myself. <laughs> so great. that began the, the journey to understand what do I do with these sticks. So, so then you obviously set out to learn a lot more about this text. And one of the things I thought would be good is that, you know, a lot of people are aware of the book, but not a lot of us really fully understand the mm. book. Um, so is there anything in particular that you think you could say about sort of orientating us to just the text in general? Yeah, I, I guess at a, a high level, what, I, what, I, what continues to draw me back to it is this is a text that was written before there was writing. Huh. So that's kind of an interesting thing that is, yeah. for me, that there, it, the first installment of it, there are no words. So that's kind of, that's kind of an interesting thing. I did thing. not know that. Yes. Yeah. The other is that pretty much every single Chinese philosopher who has ever written has made their mark on it and has written commentaries on it. So it is part of the text. So, yeah, from from pre-written all the way up to the, you know, to the current time and people are still writing commentaries and now it's moved into the West. Mm. Okay. So the other thing that it's really always been about, it's about our existential angst of uncertainty. And it's always had that existential angst. And that's what it's about. How do we deal with that uncertainty that we have? Huh. So those are the things I guess have continued to keep me interested in it. Well, the title of Book of Changes, right? So that things are, I mean, this is sort of some of the conversation we've been having yeah. about the relevance of these kind of concepts that we learn from this text and how it may apply to the medicine and our lives and, and that sort of thing. So, um, but, but when you say Book of Changes, what to you, what is, what does that mean? Like what is meant by change? Is it what you were just saying? Um, yeah. So maybe kind of a, I guess I, let's approach it as a history. Okay. And then yeah, we can, that'd be great. because the concept of what this means has changed over time. Like the book itself follows civilization. So it's really interesting. So at the very beginning, what people were trying to do is uh, they were, wanting to talk to their ancestors, okay, because ancestry was really huge in Shang Dynasty, China, and how do you talk to your ancestors and get your ancestor to kind of answer a question for you? So the first process was, how do I talk to the, to the ancestor? And my uncertainty was, is it going to be a good birth? You know, should I attack my enemy now? You know, is there going to be troubles coming upon me this season? How will harvest be? So they, they had these questions and they wanted to ask. Okay? So that's how they kind of started with this divination process. So 
At the first thing, there was change, but who would know the change? My ancestor would know the change. That's how you would do it. Uh-huh. You know, the deity would know the change, so you would ask that. Okay? And oftentimes you'll hear about the oracle bones, and the oracle bones were used in that, that time. Then what magically showed up, seriously, what magically showed up from the rise, and nobody knows how, is two diagrams and eight trigrams and 64 hexagrams. Nobody really knows. They attribute it to this guy, Fushi, that's, you know, sometime between 1500 and 2400. Oh, much later. Oh, yeah. Oh. So that's, that's kind of BC is where these things showed up, and people would use them. Now, shamans would use them. And they would interpret them. And it was unclear what the shaman was doing because there's no written record of what the shaman was doing. There are just these hexagrams and trigrams that have survived. Okay? And then in 1000 BC, another potentially real character called the uh, King Wen, uh, at the beginning of the Zhou dynasty and right at the end of the Shang dynasty, he actually was the first one to put a name and words to these hexagrams and trigrams. And that is the first time that people actually got to uh, apply them themselves. They wouldn't need a shaman. They can kind of read them and figure them out. And no longer was it about a deity, but there started to become a belief in numerology. So there was a numerology, they were all numerology patterns, and we can look from numerology of patterns of what will happen in the future and what will happen in the past. Hmm. So the change was this relationship between numerology and how it unfolds in the world and change. And it was kind of like that until the time of Confucius. And Confucius wrote, or the Confucius school wrote a, a philosophy about change and how the world works and how the cosmos work and how these hexagrams and trigrams can be used to take a look at how the universe unfolds. And we can, all of us, can use this thing to understand how the universe unfolds hmm. and we are part of the universe and change. So that's, that's kind amazing. of the... Amazing. It, it's, yeah, so as a, as a, as a synopsis, as a snapshot, then yeah, so that's kind of an overview. Well, that's that's great, and it also, but it also is, well, I mean, many things that you're saying are super interesting. One of which is that we don't. There's a lot about it we don't even know, like the origins of things. Yet, you know, it's, it's that's incredible. And may never know. <laughs> and may never know, yeah. right? Yeah. Hence all the commentaries and and I guess you know there's yeah. It's shrouded in mystery, and you know, could these texts just have somehow emerged? Right. Right. And everybody's interpreting them dif- different ways, but everybody goes back to that source text, those hexagrams and trigrams, of which there are no words. Interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I, I told you I really wanted to talk about is how this, some of these ideas and, and the text, the, the ideas within the text can inform a practitioner of, of East Asian medicine. Like, how, where, where is the connect? Is there, and, and if so, like, how do you see the connection between some of the ideas in this text, either informing the medicine or vice versa? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll take your second question first okay. <laughs> about how it might, you know, inform the medicine. So, 
in this philosophy that's written into the text, which is called the third strata or the third layer of the text. The first layer of the text is the hexagrams and the trigrams themselves. The second layer is when King Wen and the Duke of Zhou actually put words to it. And the third is when they put the philosophy on it. So those are the three layers of the text. Everything else is commentaries mm. on it. Okay. So that commentary was the first time that anybody really have said, how does the cosmos work? And how might these apply the cosmos? And that philosophy or that theory of the cosmos is what informs our medicine. And so I think I need to kind of unfold right. what that is at a high level. And then you'll start to see how that might inform the medicine. The thing what I like about Chinese medicine is it is a practice. And as we understand the theory and we put it into practice, I think we can understand the practice better. But we can also validate the theory. You know, the, right. the back and yeah. forth between, you know, encapsulation of a theory into practice and practice and theory, which is very much like a the yang is the theory and the putting into practice is the yin. And so the dynamics between yang and yin, okay? Why I bring this up is let's talk about the theory of the, the general theory of the cosmos, which affects change and affects our medicine, okay? So basically one of the factors was the Taoist. So clearly in 600 uh, BC is when, 600 to 500 is when the Taoist, you know, Lao Tzu and Chuang Tzu, they wrote. And a key thing is that, unlike most cultures, there really isn't a creator in this Chinese culture. You know, there is the great void, and from the great void, all things have sprung. And okay. it is one yeah. organism that has uh, created and unfolded onto itself. So the first thing is, the theory is there is no creator. It is one entity. And there are two forces, two powerful forces, and that's all there are two powerful forces, the force of yin and the force of yang. So in that theory, those are forces. They're not nouns, they are verbs. You can talk about them as a noun, but they're really a, a force, and that is the force that is constantly, life and death, change is all these interactions of yin and yang all the time. And we can feel them, you know, just take a breath. You breathe, and as you inhale, there's, there's a feeling, and then there's always a pause, and then there's the, the release of the breath, which takes no action, you know, and that's the, the exhale. So, you know, the activity is the yang side of it, and the, the yin side of it is the stillness, is the inside. Now, stillness, there's still movement in the yin right. side. Yeah. It's just a different style of force. So there are these two forces that are constantly in interplay throughout, throughout time. And it interplay in nature, and it interplays in us. And that's, in many, much part, what our medicine is all about, is we always talk about yin and yang, but what do we mean by that, and where does it come from, and how important is it? So, so one of the things is the yin and yang and the dynamics of yin and yang over time. But the other thing that the Taoists have influenced is there's a pattern to all of these movements. So as, as something, as a myriad of things, as the 10,000 things get created, each one has their own nature. And that nature is imbued by, is their Tao. And the pattern of how those things play out is the Tao. So there is an organizing principle 
which is the Tao, that kind of says how these forces of yin and yang will interact with mm. each one of these things and how those different things will interact with each other. So predicated on this theory is that there is a organizing principle. It is just not random chaos. Right. There's an organizing uh -huh. principle and thus the organizing principle creates patterns. And very much in our medicine, it's all pattern based. You know, we, we're looking for a correlation between things, right? patterns. Okay? And so that's where that comes from, the concept of patterns, the forces of yin and yang with, with an organizing pattern through the, through the Tao will kind of create events, circumstances, situations throughout time. And what the I Ching does is it allows us to get in touch with that pattern for us in this moment and then understand where we are, how we came to this, and kind of what the future would be according to the Tao. And we can make a choice. Do we want to go according with that future or do we want to do something else? Wow. I mean, it just it just brings up the the idea like, you know, I've been teaching a long time and like, you know, the very first thing you teach students is about yin and yang. Yeah. And even as a student myself, you know, several decades ago, you have this moment in the beginning of your education where you kind of feel like you start to understand what yin and yang is. And then like you realize at the end of your, you know, your formal training that you don't know first thing about yin and yang. And then now we sit here 25 years later and you're talking about concepts and yet still developing a richer understanding of it for yeah. me. So I see that's one interesting thing about the text that, that for me would be amazing to, you know, just, you just said a few key things that maybe you would, if you told me 20 years ago, I'd understand very differently. And now I, I hear yeah. it on a different level. I know? never got that yin within yang and yang within yin. What did yeah, you that You can spit mean? it back out on a test. Like, <laughs> what does that really mean? Right, right. And it, it, it's, the text talks about it, and it talks about how it plays out in nature, and it talks about how we are nature. Right. And it plays out in the same way for us. Yeah. You know, the five elements, well, where did they come from? Mm -hmm. And the text talks about those five elements, because that's basically what the trigrams and the relationship between the trigrams are all about, is the, you know, are the elements in the relationship between the elements. And that cycle that we always know of the enhancing cycle and the restraining cycle, that's all written about in the text. Amazing. You know, that's where that comes from. Yeah, I think I, I shared with you recently that I, I was just looking at this a little bit and, and sort of re-looking at the, the hexagram for water. Mm. And do you, do you feel like you can just talk about that for a second? Because that kind of, you know, was something that like, yeah, I've, I've seen it, I've learned it, I've whatever. And then recently just had a whole other experience really looking at it, you know, and like yeah. really understanding that the, in terms of the interconnection between the elements and how they transform each other, that hexagram to me really captures it. Yeah. So there's a couple of, okay, so water is really interesting because there, <laughs> and I'll talk at the trigram level. So yeah. how it is, is there are eight trigrams and or the trigrams, sorry, yeah, yeah, that's okay. No, yeah, because yeah. the hexagram, there's yeah. same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's eight trigrams, but there's 64, you put them together in all the possible ways and there's 64 hexagrams. I see. I see. Okay. And yeah. some of them are duplicates. So uh, some of them are water doubled and fire doubled. You know, each one of these things doubled. So, but it can be simpler to just talk in the, tri the, the trigram because there are two trigrams. Now remember, these trigrams, hexagrams, 
a thousand, two thousand years after they were developed is when people said it's water or oh. it's mountain or it's because it's just trigram. It's just a picture. It's just an image. And then people said, well, that image is this and that image is this. And that is absolutely. So, so that's one interesting thing. Now, there are two kind of trigrams that could be interpreted as water. Okay. One is water that's kind of in this chaotic state. So chaos, abyss, is one of the trigrams that's water. The other trigram with water is, and that's a yang trigram, okay? There is a yin trigram with water that's lake, ocean, and kind of there's an element of joy to it. So there are actually two trigrams of water. And so as we talk about it, it's important to know which one we want to talk about as we, as we move forward. So the trigram from water that you're probably referring to is the one that's opposite fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, you know, as we take a look at, you know, north-south and fire is always in the south and water is always in the north and we take a look at that, um, it's really interesting because they're just the reverse where, where yang line is, is a yin line and what's a yin right. line is a yeah. yang line. So, and as we take a look at that reciprocity that we learn in Chinese medicine between the yin and yang, you take a look and you take a, take a look at those trigrams and how they interrelate. And they've also placed the trigrams directly opposite each other. So those trigrams are directly opposite each other. And as you start to read about the characteristics, you can see how they're opposite, but they're also reciprocal. And That's so, the piece that really, yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing, there's always these, these pairs and the relationship between pairs that now we know about when we take a look at five elements. And as you look at that, the sequence of trigrams, then there's always that kind of moving clockwise and moving counterclockwise. And that's all also talked about in the trigrams that we see today. So there's many things that we read about and we study as students today that have its source much, much deeper. And I think the more that we can read and understand where it came from, and interpretations along the way just can fuel us, can feed us. We can make our choices from practice, what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But if we have a broader idea of how it might be working, we have a broader array of opportunities for us to treat. Yeah, yeah, and also like, you know, whether or not it really changes how I what happens in the clinical encounter for me, I can't really say because you, you'd never know. It's always an accumulation of all the things yeah. you've learned and experience that you've gained that informs your patient encounters. Like so, they're always different going forward. That's how I like to think of it. Um, but I I feel like at this point in my life, these texts are really of great interest to me. Um, understanding the medicine at the level that I do now and then going back and, and talking to you about these kind of concepts are really, um, I'm finding quite <laughs> stimulating. Yeah, it, it talks about being a practitioner too. Yeah, well, that's how I, I, you know, for me, yes, it does. Yeah, and one of the things that's key about this text is the issue of non-interference. That they talk in terms of a sage and a sage knows how things unfold. And the sage as they know when things, when they're working with somebody or they're trying to help somebody along their path, they, they don't get in the way of that path. And if we believe that as a practitioner, and if we believe there's a Tao, there's an organizing principle, our, our work, according to this, would be to help understand how that is to unfold in the patient. Mm. What is their nature? What is their Tao? Right. What is their yeah. Li? And 
How can we help that along as opposed to impose our agenda for what that person and how that treatment should exactly. be? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that what's, comes from the philosophy, the theory. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, one of the things that's somewhat of a non sequitur, but I'm anxious to hear you talk about is that, you know, there are so many translations of this mm. text. And so if you like Google it, it's just, or when you go on Amazon, there's just so many different texts, there's different, you know, I, where, I mean, if somebody listens to this and then wants to pick it up and sort of start, what, what do you, what do you recommend? Like, where do you begin? Uh, <laughs> I think it, what's, what's your goal? It's really, well, maybe, what's your goal? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it could be, I mean, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm interested in the theory. I mean, I, you know, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, what would, I guess you would just give different answers for different people, right? Yeah, I think different yeah. answers for different people. There's, there's a poetry of it. And meaning there's a lot of good ones out there. So <laughs> I think there are a lot, there are a few good ones. Mm-hmm. And then there's the new age stuff. Well, yes. And there's a lot more new age stuff. Then there is what I think is like, oh, wow, this is this is the meat of the matter. This is the meat of the matter. I think for somebody that kind of wants to get into it, I think the Alfred Huang is an excellent book okay. that kind of is written in a way that's easily understandable. It's not too arcane. It doesn't put too much of the philosophy into it. So you can kind of get a sense of what the hex grim is, how to use it and things like that. So I think that an Alfred Wong, H-W-A-N-G, uh, H-U-A-N-G would be an excellent book. Of course, the Wilhelm book is is really good. Yeah. That has a, you know, a lot that's of... That's my only copy so yeah, far. That's, so you, yeah, it's, that, that's... The challenge with that is he, how they've rolled a lot of things all in together. And again, as we look at the text, he was a kind of a missionary and so kind of he's putting a spin on it that may or may not be an appropriate spin who knows but just recognize that in that there will be some biases Mm -hmm. that may or may not be original intent of the text maybe so so i think that's that's a good one um yeah so i would i guess that those two yeah that would be good yeah 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 Um, well, this is great. Is there, um, I, I guess I'll ask you one more question before we end. It's like, so one thing that I've been meaning to ask you, is like, okay, I have this book. My teacher, Wes, gave me this book mm. and I, I have been doing something I don't know really makes sense to someone like you, but I've just been kind of opening it, you know, and just seeing where the page opens and reading, you know, <laughs> um, and, and it's not that I haven't read it before. I'm just sort of now, you know, kind of re getting into it and. I'm like, is this something I should just read from the beginning? Or do I, you know, and I'm finding it very interesting just to open the book and just yeah. start wherever it, the page opens, you know. But yes. how does somebody even approach this text? Yes, so yeah. um, it is not a linear book. No. <laughs> it's not a linear. It wasn't designed that way. It was designed for divination. Okay? Right. So that was designed for divination. And that says something will point you to the text that you should read. So... Whether that is coins, mm-hmm. whether that is yarrow sticks, whether that is just synchronicity of opening it up. Right. Perfect. And the issue is, can you read that? Absolutely. So Zhu uh, Xi, which is a philosopher in 1100, basically said, this is the basis for self, self-cultivation. And for us, we should know these patterns, know how they unfold. So as we see them in our life, 
then we'll know what's happening and we won't react. We can respond or not because we're aware. And I think as you take and you take a look at those 64 hexagrams, they're all about situations and events that you will encounter in your life. Yeah. Most recently, what I, the, the ones that I have read have really started to make me think a lot about intention because mm-hmm. there are outward behaviors that people have and there's some some really wonderful discussion about like, yes, you can look at the outward behavior, but what is the intent yeah. of the individual and have and that how critical that is to really understanding whether we have something good or bad that we're experiencing or watching. Yes, so yeah. <laughs> I'm simplifying everything, but the intent is the yang, the manifestation is the yin. So how can you have one without the other? Mm-hmm. Okay, so very much it's important to understand kind of intent because that's the idea of something and then the physical manifestation which is the yin of something so yes and to try to understand that dynamic key element and and in our profession something we all talk about all the time like well what is this and how does it what does it mean in our clinical encounter right so yeah i've i have found that super interesting that's kind of where the book is just open for me the last couple of times, so, yeah. <laughs> it opens for everybody where it needs to open. Excellent. For everybody, yeah. Well, Bill, this has been great. Is there anything else you, you want to say before we end our, our chat? Today? No, I, so for me, what I, I like about it, Kathy, is it's, your questions help me shape how I think about it as well. And great. if I try to understand it, and want to explain how to do that. So I value your questions as we move through this process. It's great. Yeah, this has been fun. And and thanks for bringing the tea for today. Should we tell everyone what we're drinking? We're drinking uh, an oolong tea, the Taiwan Yin oolong tea. Yeah, it's really Excellent. good. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.